Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of the Zion Experience. I, I, Jordan, I lose track. I think we're on 13 or 14. Jacob and the team will get this figured out. We've, we've got a, an exciting guest today, a friend, a partner, uh, a person that most people in the industry know really well, or at least you've heard the name. You may not have met the man, but you've heard the name, I would guess. So um, it's been a while since we've, we've taped an episode Jordan, and before I just go in real quick to Jim, but you ready for this today? Yeah, I think so. We'll, we'll have a little bit of rust knockoff here. It's been a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, for a we, while we there, probably... we were going three times a week, it felt like. You know, your style, just hammering them out, but here we are. It's feast or famine with us. So we we yeah. know we've got a, the, the audience gets to see them because we're at least intelligent about getting them scheduled out and going out, not overwhelming, but... Uh, we drop an episode for those that don't know uh, every other week. Uh, we sometimes tape in advance. Sometimes we, we, we do uh, marathon podcast taping and we always have an interesting guest. Uh, if you haven't, if you aren't subscribed to the, to the podcast, there's multiple ways to do it. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple. Type it in Google. You'll find us the Zion experience. And uh, we just focus on interesting people from the industry on casual conversations. Uh, Jim, you'll appreciate this. I'll get your bio in a minute, but we had one of my previous professors on uh, from my college days, not too long ago, Jordan's lining up a professional baseball player potentially to come on and just have a conversation. So we have fun with this show. Part one of our values at Zion is, is, is having, we have fun. And so we have fun and we get to meet interesting people and we just, we like to talk and we like to have relationships and we, we like to, to share technical conversations. And then sometimes we just ha have interesting topics. So glad to have you on. Let me introduce Jim Tompkins to, to uh, our audience. Uh, so Jim, I'm going to read off the bow and I don't, I don't know that anybody's bow ever does them justice. So I'm going to kind of read the words and then let you share a little bit of, of the, give some color to the words, but Jim is a, an international authority on designing and implementing end-to-end -end supply chains. Jim has started 15 businesses that have done over $2 billion in worldwide revenue. And I did say billion, $2 billion in worldwide revenue during his, I wanted to say five-year career, but 50-year career. And uh, that's pretty awesome. He's Jim's worked with private equity. He's designed countless industrial facilities and supply chain solutions and enhanced the profitable growth of numerous companies, giving him an insider view into what makes great companies even better. In 2020, his most recent adventure, or most recent venture, I should say, is he founded Tompkins Ventures, LLC. It's a global hands-on solutions network that helps companies address the five major factors for business success. So they address leadership, capital, technology, supply chain, and facilities. He previously had spent 40 plus years as the founder and chairman of Tompkins Internationals. He started that. It was a backyard startup into an international consulting and implementation firm. Um, if you've been in the industry very long and people are familiar with Tompkins International and then Jim, we're going to go back to 1969 is when you received your Bachelor of Science in Industrial Engineering. I'm a fellow industrial engineer. Um, you got that and your Master's of Science in Industrial Engineering the following year, 1970. And then you followed it up with a PhD in 1972. So it's Dr. Jim Tompkins. And all of those came from the Boilermakers, the, the university or the Purdue University. I'm sorry. 
in uh, Lafayette, Indiana. I drove by it this week on the way home from uh, Chicago and I threatened to stop at Triple X every time I come through, and I've only done it once or twice. But, Jim, that's your bio. We're glad to have you on. Thank you. You're a busy individual. We appreciate your time greatly. Glad to have you on. And uh, I had a surprise for you. I dug it out because I am an engineer. Um, this will maybe bring back if I can <laughs> if I can get it in. This is what's that say? The second edition of the facility planning book, and it's it's you are one of the contributing authors, and this is the book that got me interested in the career of industrial engineering um, when I really realized I could be an engineer. And Dr. John Usher actually helped teach this. Is who we brought on Jordan. Well, I think you were out of town when we did that one, but. This is, uh, I bought this book in 2000 and I refused to sell it back because I didn't get a good deal on used books on the buyback. And so I've kept every single book from college, but I had this in a bookcase. I dug it out and I thought that'd be pretty cool. It's one of your many books and we may talk about that later. So Looks Jim, like add, some, well. add some color, add some color <laughs> to this career where in your, your 50 years we just talked about. Well, two things to clarify. Number one, it looks like you fed that book to your dog and he enjoyed uh, chewing on it. Uh, number two, we should clarify Triple X in Lafayette, Indiana is the best root beer in town. It's not related to what Triple X typically means. So Jim was uh, talking Good about stopping and getting some, some root beer in uh, West Lafayette, Indiana. So I'm a Chicago boy. I grew up, my dad was a house painter and uh, my mom was a bank teller, and uh, in high school, I, I thought I wanted to be an athlete, and I ran cross-country because the wrestling coach told me I had to. I was a wrestler, like Jim was, and uh, as a uh, freshman, I wrestled 103. As a sophomore, I wrestled uh, 111. Then I wrestled 121 and 127. That's 127 pounds. I don't think I could make uh, weight at 227 now, but uh, <laughs> but I'm still as strong and mean when I get on the mat. So uh, I, I love uh, that background. Um, you got to qualify, when, Jim, though, probably for like 15 to 30 seconds if you're anything like me. I can go really hard on the wrestling mat for about 30 seconds these days. That's all as long the mat should last, Jim. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> and especially if I'm wrestling a guy that weighs 127, if I can catch him, I can just lay on him. You know, I'm, there you I'm gonna go. Win. There you I'm go. I'm going to win. But um, I, uh, I didn't do real good in my studies in school and the uh, and so I couldn't get into Purdue University. I went to Northern Illinois University. Turned out to be fortuitous because I met the lady that uh, turned out for the last uh, 55 years has been my wife. And uh, we've been blessed with uh, three kids and, and eight grandkids. And so that's been a, a major uh, portion of, of my life and my joy. Um, when I did get in Purdue uh, after two years of school, um, I was uh, only given credit for a year and a half. And uh, I was really drinking from the fire hose because differential equations, when you took it at Northern Illinois University, it wasn't what you got when you went to Purdue. And uh, as a second semester sophomore, I went into uh, differential equations and the guy said, well, let's take the first uh, day and bring you up to speed what we did last year. And I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm in trouble. <laughs> and uh, so I really, really, really worked hard, did pretty well at the studies got done with um, my bachelor's degree in four and a half years because of the, the flip from one school to another. And the Chicago Draft Board became interested in me and they drafted me for the first time 
in uh, 1968. I graduated in 1969 and they uh, drafted me again, uh, but I never uh, got it canceled. I just got it postponed. So I was going to become a soldier at some point in my career. Um, was going to uh, go to industry when I got my bachelor's degree, but uh, one of my professors uh, challenged me. He said, you know, Jim, for one more year in college, you can double the amount of industrial engineering courses you have, and you're going to substantially increase your value. And I said, sir, I love it, but uh, I'm married and I can't afford it. He said, I'll pay for it. He said, the university is free. We will pay your room, your board, your apartment, your books, everything. And you'll have money to still go to the movie on Friday night. And so uh, my wife and I decided, well, we're going to stay for our master's degree. During the master's degree, I got stung by the research bug and decided to stay on for the Ph.D. in uh, November of 1971. The draft board come calling for the 13th time and said, you will come now. And I said, gentlemen, I need three months to finish my degree. They said, well, if you enlist for three years, we'll give you three month late entry. So took three months late entry, uh, went into the Army, uh, went to basic training. They offered me to be an officer but that would require an additional six month commitment. I said, gentlemen, I'm gonna give you three years, not three years in a day, not three years in a minute. I'm gonna give you three years and I'll do whatever you tell me, but I'm not gonna give you more. Interestingly, that was in February of 1972. And in February, 1972, everyone was drafted, got sent to Vietnam. But since I enlisted, I got sent second worst duty to New Jersey. So I got sent to New Jersey and worked for the facility engineer and what I did as I was the facility engineer, I had captains, I had lieutenants working for me. I had 450 tradespeople working for me. I had about $20 million with inventory. I had scheduling group and we ran the city called Fort Monmouth. I learned a lot at Purdue, but I learned a lot in the army too, a lot of practical experience. And so uh, went from the army, uh, came down south to North Carolina State University, became a professor, started teaching facilities planning uh, course. In fact, my first book was called Facilities Design. Facilities Planning came along a few years later. Um, the Facilities Planning course is still out there, still being used, and I think it's in something like 14 languages now. So that uh, that book you got, Jim, um, I tell you, it, you can probably sell that for, I don't know, probably three, maybe 350. Uh, that's $3.50. But anyway, um, <laughs> the, uh, the book thing has been a, an interesting part of my career because that's how I learn. I learn by writing. But uh, so I was at NC State and uh, my wife and I were poor. All our friends had uh, kids and houses and cars. And my wife and I had a PhD and a completed army experience. And so I was hot to try. I was ready to go. And so I started teaching some warehouse seminars based on the things I learned in the army on warehousing. And uh, while I was a full-time faculty member, and as I taught those courses, uh, people came up to me and said, well, that's that's interesting stuff, young man. Can you do that? It's just around your mouth. I said, well, I'm not sure, but I'd like to try. So they hired me to do some warehouse consulting and uh, couldn't handle the business. So I did some more uh, courses and I hired a couple people. And, and by 1978, my wife pointed out to me that my part-time income was six times larger than my full-time income. So I left the university and decided to make my life's work, Tompkins International. Did that. We grew the firm in uh, 2000. We sold 35% of the firm to a private equity company so we could expand into material handling integration. We developed our own execution system. We were in execution in uh, 
material handling integration and supply chain consulting. And then in 2007, that private equity firm sold it to Blackstone. And I was a part of Blackstone from 2007 to 2015. They own 35%. We grew internationally then, opened offices around the world. 2015, I want to start a company called Tompkins Robotics, which is a company that's out there today doing about $80 million worth of business and very successful. And uh, Blackstone said, no, we can't start that. I said, why? It's a good business. They said, well, we plan to sell you in the next year, and this business is not going to be profitable for two years. And so uh, we don't want you to have something that's not profitable in the books when we sell you, so you can't start it. So I went to the Chinese company I was working with on the robots. I said, I can't do the robots. And they said, why not? I said, well, because Blackstone wants to sell me. They said, well, we'll buy you now. So the Chinese firm bought 35%. And that lasted until uh, 2020, when the firm was really doing well, a couple hundred million dollars in revenue and uh, a lot of success. Um, I was on the top of my game. I was the happiest guy in the world, very fortunate. And the company was doing very well. And then it became 2020. And in 2020, we uh, lost uh, $32 million in business in one week. And uh, we had a meeting. We decided we had to lay off 80 people. And so I turned around on my bookshelf and looked for my playbook for downsizing and laying off people. And I didn't have a playbook. And I said, well, I guess I don't know how to do this. So I retired. And uh, I left the company. Tompkins International is still a company that's out there that's doing well. I own 22% of it, but I'm not involved with it. I hope they do very well because uh, someday they're going to sell my stock and it's going to have some real value to me. But I retired. And uh, I retired and I was extremely happy for three weeks. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, then, and then the phone rang and somebody asked me if I could help them with a facility and we helped them. And I made $15,000 and then someone wanted me to help them raise some money and I helped them raise $50 million and, and I got paid $84,000 that time. So by June 1st, uh, I had made $99,000 by doing a, a building and a fundraise and uh, hadn't really done much with it. And then a guy called me up and said, Jim, I'd, I'd like to do consulting for you. I said, well, I don't do consulting anymore. And they said, well, uh, I'd like to do some material handling integration with you. I said, well, I don't do that anymore. They said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a matchmaker. I find somebody has got a problem. I got someone who's got a solution. I put them together and they pay me a small success fee. And I said, wow, well, that's, that's really exciting. Maybe I'll do that with you. He said, what if, what if I brought you a deal and we found somebody that fixed their problem? And, and they said, let's say you got paid 10,000 bucks. What would you do with 10,000 bucks? And I said, I'd give you half and I'd take half. He said, that's what I'm thinking. He said, what do you call this business? I said, what do I call this business? I said, I call this business, answer the phone. The phone rings. I say, hello, you know, and somebody needs some help. He said, but you got to have a name. I said, well, call it, call it Tompkins Ventures. And now here we are a couple of years later, and we're blessed to have a uh, uh, literally thousands of partners around the world. Uh, we're in 34 countries and uh, we are the premier business to business matchmaking service. And uh, one of our partners we love to work with is uh, Jim Shaw and Zion. And so, you know, it's just a pleasure to be here. <coughs> I have an opportunity to talk a little about the fun I've been able to have over the last 50 years, uh, trying to figure out what this thing, supply chain material handling really is. Well, that's that's a whole lot to unpack in a few, but you you do such a good job. You're such a good storyteller, Jim. I always enjoy. I've heard the story <laughs> as we've met. Um, I guess we met a couple, two, three years ago. I knew, like I said, I'd say several people share 
share my experience with you is they've heard the name. They may not have met the man. And so I had the pleasure of meeting you a couple of years ago and we were going through a similar cadence of we had some life changes and we were looking at doing something different. And that different was Zion Solutions Group. And just we said at the time, good people and good partners and we'll go find good customers to help. And that's how we ended up getting together. And so I get I get a lot of I get a lot of pleasure out of hearing your story and just I know you you added color to it, but we could probably take a whole podcast and just break down part of your Tompkins, how you built Tompkins International and how you evolved it into really before others did into the robotics side of the company. And just you've probably forgotten more than 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 I've I've learned in my 25 years. And uh, just it enjoyable to say, I do feel like I need to clarify this because I don't feel like I, I got credit. It wasn't a dog. It's because I was such a student studious student that I had this book open so much doing homework and really applying myself to this book and learning. That's why it looks the way it does. So I feel like I need to clarify. I feel like I needed to clarify. <laughs> Anybody that knows me knows that's, that's, that's baloney, but anyway, um, so you've already answered. <laughs> you've, you got anything to add real quick, Jordan, or I'll go into another question. I'm interested. No, go ahead. In. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, other than I just think that I haven't heard the story before, Jim, and it's, I, I also enjoyed listening to it. I didn't realize a lot about you, but it's pretty incredible everything that that you've done and been through and just your early on. I think it's really cool. You had somebody pay for your ability to go get your master's degree. What a what a blessing that was and got you to where you are now. So no, nothing more to add, but that's just an incredible story and, and happy to be here to to listen to it. Well, well Miss Tom appreciate that, Jordan. Miss Tompkins' name is what? She's the real hero of this story. She's got yeah, 55 she, years of service here. So Miss yeah, Tompkins' name yeah, is... Sherry Tompkins is absolutely Sherry. a princess. She, uh, I tell you what, without her, I, I wouldn't be where I am. And uh, and the things that she helps me with uh, daily are unbelievable. And uh, and she believes in me. Yeah. I think that last part's important. I've got mine's Holly. Holly's only got about 15 years of, of service in with me and, and been by my side, but I couldn't be where I'm at without my wife and my better half. And Jordan's wife is, is summer and similar. I know summer, I, I don't know how long, how many years summer's got in, but she's also earning her angel wings as well. So we, uh, we can't be what we are. Sometimes we don't dive into family as much, but family's important to you. Family's important to me. Jordan's got, a young family. I've got a young family. You're in a, you're in a really good season of life too. You, you get to enjoy the young, the youngsters, but you don't have to have them sleep at your house and eat your food every day and deal with all of that. So that's where we're at. Jordan, Jordan, your kids, what tell Jim real quick, just how old your kids are. Yeah. So so I've been married for 10 years. So she's been with me for about 13 now, but I've got an 11 year old, a three year old and a one year old. It's all over the board. Wow. Oh, yeah. That is uh, that is uh, a big spread and uh, a lot of excitement. Yeah. Oh, that, there's, uh, there's there's definitely some excitement in there. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of other things too. But we have Levi could make an appearance here in a little bit. He loves trains, so his his yeah. uh, middle his his son comes in and he got on the other day and we had to entertain Levi a little bit yesterday. So it's it's good. That's part of the. That's part of what Zion's about is our family. One of our other values is we care about family. So let me transition in. I just selfishly a little bit. I don't know what you and I have ever had this conversation, but so we met each other. I need to stay up by my microphone. I'm told I fade in and out, but we met each other. We had some conversations. You talked to one of the other co-founders. 
even prior to us launching Zion, just to see what we had going on. And you saw that we were solving problems a little differently in the robotics and technology game. So that person was Drew Eubank. And I probably should have invited Drew on now to think about it, but I didn't. I don't think about that. And then you and I spoke in, I guess, for the first time really in 2022, that first quarter of 2022. But my question is, is so you explain what Tompkin Ventures does and please elaborate if you would like to. I think our listeners may want to hear hear more about that. But why did why are we even in the room together? So why did why did Zion makes sense as a systems integrator to partner with the Tompkins Ventures. I'm just interested to hear hear that story. So uh, to give you the, a little bit of the structure, there is now 120 business partners. Business partners are people in their 50s and 60s and 70s that have had extremely successful careers. They've been chief supply chain officers, VP of engineering, uh, chief purchasing officers, CEOs, and so forth. And these people live all over the world. Um, and what we do is we find problems. So we find somebody who has a problem. And then what we do is we take that problem to a CP. There's three types of CPs. There's commercial partners, there's capital partners, and there's consulting partners. The commercial partners, there's about 130 of those. Uh, Zion is one of the 130 uh, commercial partners. Commercial partners could be a transportation company, could be a 3PL, could be a technology company, it could be a systems integrator. It's anybody who sells products and services that people in the logistics supply chain world need to have uh, solutions for and they can use. The capital partners, the second CP, those are angel investors, private equity, family offices, or private equity. We have a database of over 400,000 of those, and the recent current activity of what they've all done up through to yesterday. And so we know where the money is spent. We at Tompkins Ventures are a licensed broker dealer, and so we can help them do deals. Um, and we, companies come to us needing capital. We call this practice entrepreneurial growth because we help entrepreneurs grow. Uh, I started the entrepreneur program at Purdue. My wife and I did the funding for that program. We strongly believe in entrepreneurs. Um, and then the third group is the consulting partners. And consulting partners are people that uh, we don't know what the answer is. We can't figure it out. We need someone to do some consulting. And so we have about 35 consulting partners. So business partner finds the opportunity. The CP solve the problem. We give the problem to the CP. The CP goes and works with the client gets the project, builds success, and then pays Tompkins Ventures a success fee. Our success fee is typically lower than their cost would have been if they did sales and marketing to get that job. And so the client wins, the CP wins, the business partner wins, and Tompkins Ventures wins. So it's a, it's a very happy, happy story. We have the capacity that's equivalent to McKinsey, Accenture, and IBM combined, but we have no overhead. We, we have no overhead because everyone is based on a success fee. So Jim doesn't get paid. I don't get paid. Jordan doesn't get paid. None of us get paid until we do something successful for the client. Um, why, uh, how, how do we pick partners? Um, the first factor that we look at is competency. Do they have a unique value proposition and a high level of competency in that area? The second thing we look at is, do they have integrity? 
Um, we will only work with clients that have high, 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 uh, with CPs that have high integrity. They don't have high integrity, we're, we're out of here. Um, you know, I thought I was in the consulting business for 43 years. What I found out after 43 years is I wasn't in the consulting business, I was in the integrity business. And so my reputation isn't because I invented the first AGV or because I wrote this book, or because it's because people trusted me. They knew if I said something that I would absolutely go backwards, head flips to do what we say. We say what we do and we say what we do. We, we do what we say, we say what we do. And so we're consistent with that. And that's what allowed us to be successful over time. And so the last thing I want to do is work with someone who doesn't have high integrity. The third thing we look at is because they explain what they do. I've met a lot of people that are competent that have high integrity, but they can't explain what they do in English. They can't explain what it is that their value prop is. And if that's not true, they're not gonna be successful in the projects, and so we're not gonna bring them in. And then, and then the fourth thing, is it a thing that we all can make money on? If we all can't make money on it, what's the incentive to move forward? And so we wanna make sure that the deal is really fair for everyone. At the end of the day, the client says, man, I got a great deal. The business partner says great deal. The CP says a great deal. And now we can move forward. And so I knew Jim and Drew uh, from their prior company. And uh, I related to them because what they built there uh, was very similar to what I built at Tompkins Ventures, ex excuse me, at Tompkins International. And so it was, it was a tremendous success. And, and I liked what they were doing. Um, I felt there was some mistakes I made that maybe I could help them not make. Um, interestingly, Jim and his team decided to make their own mistakes and I never thought of. Uh, and so we, we both uh, deserve a lot of credit for making a lot of dumb mistakes along the way, but that's how we learn, that's how we get better. That's the other factor I look for is folks are good. But I knew Jim was a, a man of character and I knew that his um, business ethics were equivalent to ours. And I knew we had clients that needed material handling integration. Um, we like people that uh, don't have uh, fixed contracts with folks and don't represent folks, but rather come to the table saying, what's really the best thing for this client? And, uh, and that's what we work on, that's what we do. And so that's an important portion of our component. So when we have a, an opportunity that's uh, in the US that involves uh, automation and material handling systems that um, is within a design sweet spot, we will absolutely bring it to them and we will explain to our clients, these are people of, of uh, high quality and they will do a great job for you. And I'm sure that uh, uh, Jim and his team will put it for us. So it's a win-win-win, uh, win, -win, -win. Uh, win for the client, win for the client. Great way to share it. And I think it's important. One of the things is you all don't just partner. Not only are you looking for integrity and how you can win and the right fit to complement Tompkins Ventures, and you're ultimately the customers. You're not going out and just signing everybody up. You don't got more. You don't have multiple <clears throat> systems integrators. So if it comes in today, a lot of people probably don't know this because I don't know that we've done the greatest job of getting it out to the market because everybody's so busy. It comes in that the relationships we're all busy. We're not out having to beg for for work, and uh, but there's not multiple systems integrators that's currently signed up with Tompkins Ventures. If it comes in and it fits the profile of what Zion's good at, and where our sweet spot is, and we're we're open and honest about that too. By the way, I think our customers would relate. You said you're in the 
people trust you. That's ultimately what our partnerships lead for us is they trust us. And if we can't do it or we don't have the right product, we're open and transparent about that. It's one of, a, one of the things that I feel really good about. I tell customers that. Not, I, it's not that others aren't. We, we, I don't think that's what we're saying. It's just there's our success in the market has always been about going in and building that relationship working for a partnership, not the transaction and, and ultimately solving, you said it earlier, we, I'm hearing it a lot more, but we look to solve a problem versus push a product or sell, make a sale. We, we go, where's the customer in pain? What's the problem? And selfishly for us, it's like, it's great to have access to, to a uh, Tompkins Ventures portfolio of all the CPs and the BPs that, we never know. We, we get involved and we network analysis may not be our specialty. Transportation may not be our specialty, but we build that trusted advisor role. And then they ask the question. It's they phone and say, well, who would you recommend to do that? And one thing about this industry is it's a relationship industry. Mm-hmm. And you in a relationship industry, all you have is your integrity and what you've done and who you've been. And so that follows you. And Frankly, that's one of the things we did when we started Zion is we wanted people to understand that that Chuck Frank, Jordan Frank, Drew Eubank, and Jimmy Shaw were now a part of Zion because it's not this on your shirt. We're proud of this logo and proud of the name and what it stands for and what it means to us. But ultimately, people are working with us and now our team. And we, uh, we're close to 20 people now, Jim, since that, that conversation a few years ago. And you've had, you know, to hear your all success and we're having success and it's just, we all have to stop and pause and thank the big guy upstairs to say we're blessed and thankful, but I think it comes back. Good people doing good things for others with good partners. You you can't help but have success when you have that, that equation and that formula in play. So, well, let me shift gears a little bit because I know Jacob's going to send us a chat here shortly and say, Jimmy, will you please wrap it up please get faster so we've talked about who jim is your new company tompkins ventures all your past success um thank you for that we talked about why really are are zion and tompkins ventures partners and i think we could again spend another hour and a half on it but we've given enough to get people interested and if you're interested reach out to one of us we'll we'll certainly be glad to share more and then the last topic i want to talk to you about is really books so I've one of I, every year at the beginning of the year, I'll, I'll tell myself a little, I try to write down goals. I try to write down short-term goals, meaning what can I accomplish in this calendar year? And then what do I want to put on the board to accomplish in the next three to five years? And I'm just, I've always been that way. I've always liked to have a target because um, my mind moves a hundred miles an hour and I, I'll, I'll get a shiny object syndrome and look somewhere else and, so I write it down. And one of my one of the things I've wrote down is I'd like to someday write a book. And uh, I don't know what that process entails. I, I do a little bit, but I've never done it. So how many books have you published, Jim? And just tell us a little bit for somebody that's maybe thinking about writing a book, whether it be technical or some other type of book. What what wisdom could you share on that? Well, there's there's two of me. So there's Dr. James A. Tompkins, and he's written 27 books. And then there's Jim Tompkins, and he's written four books. Um, back to the integrity thing, I don't think I should use the tame name Dr. James A. Tompkins unless it has to do with industrial engineering, supply chain, and facilities planning, material handling. So when I write a book on leadership, um, my most recent book is called uh, Insightful Leadership, and that's written by Jim Tompkins. Why? 
Why not Dr. James? Well, because Dr. James didn't study leadership, okay? And so uh, the, the leadership books, there's four leadership books out there, and those are all experiential. That's stuff that I learned along the way that I think I can help folks by by just sharing that. The reason I write books is because when I don't understand something, I want to get deep into it. And the only way I can do that is to write about it. And so I write about it. And uh, I probably, for each page that winds up in a book, I probably write five pages. And so um, from that point of view, I've probably written 155 books because uh, uh, most of them I wound up throwing in the trash can, uh, or these days I just erase. But um, writing books is uh, impossible. Nobody can ever write a book. And so setting a goal to write a book, I don't think is a realistic goal, Jim. Um, but uh, I do believe you can set the goal of what I'm going to do this year is I'm going to write an outline for a book. And then what you do is you just write the first chapter and then you write the second chapter and then you write the church chapter. And then before you know it, you've got 12 chapters on a 12 chapter book. And by golly, you did write a book. But the, the thought of writing a book is too big. Um, so what I do is I set the goal of I'm going to I'm going to write a white paper on this topic. And uh, and then I do that. And then I say, OK, now this topic is a part of these other topics. And I, and I've, I line up several topics kind of related. And I think, well, I, I'm not going to write a book, but I'm going to write that second second part. And then I write the second part and then the third. And then then you finally put it together and you have a book. So you got to bite break it down in the, in the bite-sized pieces because it's hard work. It is hard work. Uh, now, I guess some people can just sit down and write. I ain't that smart. So for me, I gotta. it's really, really, really hard work. I finished a paper last week called um, the, uh, the World is Flat Except When It Isn't, The Yin and Yang of Globalization and Deglobalization. Um, I have no intention of that becoming a book, but it will because there's lots of things in that paper. It's a 40 page paper, but in, there's lots of things in that 40 page paper that I understand about halfway. And I'm gonna wanna dig into that. I'm gonna wanna understand and unpeel that onion and that's gonna become another chapter and then another chapter. So it probably will become a book, but I'm not gonna set that as a goal because I, I don't have another book in me. But guess what? Uh, the 21st book I wrote was my last book I was ever gonna write until I wrote 22 and 23 and 24 and 20. And then this book, Insightful Leadership, I didn't plan to write this book, but I had to because COVID changed the world. And when COVID created the world of continuous disruption, where the new normal is disruption, we can no longer base the future on the past. We now gotta base the, base the future on our insight about the future. It's a whole different game. I had to write a book about it because I figured it out and now I got to write the book. So I, I had to write the book, but I, I just really set the goals right in chapter one, then chapter two, and then chapter three, and then chapter one turned out to be four chapters and chapter two turned out to be six chapters. Next thing I know, I had 14 chapters, I had a book. That's awesome. Had, how, how about the process? Did you have a ghostwriter? Do you draft it out or do you do, I, I know there's multiple different ways so, to, so, to, so you do most of the writing and then you have somebody that helps you publish and, and get it all put together or. Yeah. Well, so this book, you actually notice there's a name underneath yeah. mine and yep. that's Michael that's Hughes. Yep. Michael Hughes. Michael Hughes is the editor of the industrial uh, Institute of industrial and systems engineers uh, publications for about 14 years. And uh, he edited a lot of my columns and, and when he was done with them, they were better than not. 
And so um, what I did is I said to Michael, I said, let's write this book together. And uh, he did. And uh, he claimed it was a 14-month interview because at the end of the 14 months when the book was done, I hired him. And now he works full-time at Tompkins Ventures. Um, okay. So, but this book, yeah. Yeah, this book is, is, is co-authored, myself and Michael. Um, but uh, the publisher decided to make better to make my letters bigger because that's what's going to sell the book. And so that's what we did. But um, um, Michael, um, what he and I, the way we wrote this book is uh, we would have a, a one hour discussion every Saturday morning. And then he would turn that into a manuscript and then we would talk about it and then we would rewrite it and then we throw it away and then we start over again and have another discussion. And uh, that's how we wrote this book. And so this is the first time I've done it like that. But this is also the first time I've done an Amazon book. And so Amazon has reinvented the world there. And so the first 30 books are done one way. This one's done another way. And so it's a it's an interesting world um, that we live in. And uh, technology allows us to do some really, really, really cool things. So doing a book today is actually easier than it used to be. Um, back when I worked with John Wiley and McGraw-Hill, they're great publishers. And I wrote several books for those guys. But Amazon makes it a lot easier for you. Gotcha. Well, thanks for sharing that. Let's go into, we're, we're close to wrapping up, so we're on time. And uh, all of this is very interesting. I've got some rapid questions I'm going to throw at you, and they don't need, they don't require a lot of thoughts, but let's just, let's just see how this plays out. I've got two questions, and then we'll go into the final question, which is kind of the fun. These are fun too, but if I asked you to define the word partnership, what's a partner partnership mean to you? How would you define that, that in Jim Tompkins' words? Um, it's, uh, where you each understand your role at what time to do what, and then you do it, uh, in a synchronated, a, a, a synchronized way. And so you're not, it's like, um, when, uh, you know, the righteous brothers would sing a song, uh, they knew exactly their role and how their voice needed to complement the other voice to make that song just absolutely beautiful. That's what a partnership is, is that's, it's that uh, synchronization to achieve a great result. Gotcha. Cool. And then if you look back, you've obviously got a lot of years in this industry, a lot of years of, of what most people would say is worldly success, right? I mean, you've had a lot of success. You've been blessed. And uh, you've had a lot of help to get there, I'm sure. And you, you mentioned your wife that's helped you get there. But if you were giving advice to a younger generation, or maybe it's your, maybe it's your grandkids, maybe it's the next level of uh, the next generation of young professionals, what habit or habits would you pass along if it like the one habit that you'd say that attributed the most to your success or maybe a couple habits? What would that be? Work hard. Can't be replace hard work. Yeah. Work hard, be honest, and uh, learn from your mistakes. There you go. So work hard, be honest. You know you're going to fail, but learn from it. Learn from your mistakes. And then the fun one, the last one. So how many grandkids do we have? We have eight grandchildren. Eight grandkids. What's the the age span that we've got? Ten to eighteen. Ten to eighteen. Okay. What's how many yeah. kids? Uh, three kids. Uh, three kids. Our oldest oldest daughter has a boy and a girl. Middle daughter has a boy and a girl. And son has two boys and two girls. Okay. So how do Mr. and Mrs. Tompkins go about spoiling the grandkids? What's our favorite thing to do with the grandkids or to spoil the grandkids? 
Um, we love to uh, be active supporters in their athletic pursuits. So all of our kids have been athletes at some level. Um, some uh, are potentially becoming professional athletes and, uh, and some just uh, enjoyed it for the fun of it. But uh, Grammy and Papa on the sidelines and uh, we're telling them, good job. Did you have fun? Uh, you know, it's not necessarily about winning and losing. It's about being a, a good leader, being a good team player and uh, looking out for your teammate and uh, having, having some fun. That's awesome. Well, congratulations on all that. And then I'll, I'll end it. We're done. Um, Jacob will stop the recording here in just a little bit, but do you have any questions or final thoughts that you'd like to share? Or? Well, I just think it's cool you're doing this. I think there's uh, a lot of opportunities. I, I had a chance to get a glimpse into some executive life as I was going along. Uh, at Purdue, I was uh, worked in the catering service to make some side money. And I began at 65 cents an hour, earned myself all the way up to dollar ten cents an hour. And I was uh, President Hovde, uh, President Hovde, Purdue University president. Uh, I, I catered meals at his family, at his home. And I got a chance to see uh, Dr. Hovde and his wife interact. And I got a chance to watch how that worked. And that was a different level of society than I grew up in. And so I, I got it. Was, I was a student. I was studying that. Um, I got an opportunity to be a White House fellow under President Nixon. I got an opportunity to learn from that and, and to be around President Nixon and forget about the negative stuff. Um, I, I learned a lot from him. And it was a, a tremendous experience. So I've had the just the honor of being able to work with really, really, really cool people. And uh, I'm a pretty good student. I can learn pretty good. And so uh, I've just uh, I've been blessed by that. And it's uh, what what a tremendous opportunity that we have uh, uh, to be an American and have this opportunity to have the freedom to pursue our own desires and interests. And uh, and then we're rewarded according to our uh, our ability to provide service. So I love it. That's awesome. Jordan, any final thoughts as we close? No, out? I, I, no, I think it was great, Jim. It was just great to hear from you. I mean, I think, I feel like we're only getting the tip of the iceberg of the knowledge you have to offer. Um, but thankful to be able to hear, to be able to be on here and hear some of that. I mean, I think at some point I'd love to talk to you. Maybe it's a separate podcast or not, but you talked about your passion for entrepreneurship and getting people started and since we've been fortunate and blessed to do it ourselves, we've had people that have just come in and said, how'd you get started? How do you do it? I think that could be a great segment. Sounds like you're passionate about, we're passionate about it. Um, it'd be awesome to talk more about that at some point. Awesome. Love to do it, Jordan. Great. Perfect. All right.